You're listening to Nonprofit Confidential, episode number eight. Hey there, welcome to Nonprofit Confidential, the podcast that is all about helping you build an exceptional nonprofit organization. If this is your first time tuning in, thanks so much for joining the conversation. I'm your host, Sheila Nimishakavi, and I'm the founder of Third Suite. Third Suite offers courses, resources, and consulting that strengthen the nonprofit sector. Just to give you a little information about me, I started Third Suite after over a decade of working in the nonprofit field. I found that the organizations that I worked for typically struggled in the same areas, administration and fundraising. I also found that the information available to nonprofits was really high level, almost to the point of being theoretical information. There was very little actionable step-by-step instruction out there, especially for those just getting started out or looking to up-level. So I found a third suite to offer resources that help nonprofit organizations in the areas of fundraising and administration in a step-by-step fashion. For more information about Third Suite and the resources that are available, head on over to www.thirdsuite.com. While you're there, I encourage you to sign up for our email list. Our email list subscribers get access to exclusive opportunities such as early course registration, exclusive discounts, and our private Facebook group where you can chat with experts and peers. You'll also find the show notes for all of our podcast episodes on our website. That's www.thirdsuite.com. Okay, so let's get into this week's episode, which is part three of our fundraising mini-series. Two episodes ago, we chatted about engaging donors throughout the year and getting your donors prepped for your next ask using Third Suite's donor roadmap. In the last episode, we did a deep dive into how to choose a fundraising event for your organization. And that brings us to this week, the last episode of our fundraising mini-series, during which I'll be talking about how to choose the right donor database for your organization. I decided to talk about this topic because this is a question that I get asked all the time. I've done countless pro and con lists for clients where we compare databases against each other. So I really wanted to pass this knowledge on to you so that you can create your own pro and con list for your organization and find the best fit for you and your organization. And here's the thing, there's no shortage of options when it comes to databases. So how do you make the right choice for what is best for your nonprofit, not only right now, but also what is a choice that allows your organization to grow and you want a database that will grow with your growing organization. While I have my own personal favorite database, I definitely would not recommend it for every organization. Every database has its own set of strengths and weaknesses, so organizations really need to do their due diligence to determine which database, with all of its strengths and weaknesses, will fit the unique needs of that nonprofit. The various databases also differ in terms of complexity. You can have something incredibly simple to track donor communications. It could even be just a simple Excel spreadsheet that tracks contacts, and if your needs really aren't that complex, it can work perfectly fine. 
But you can also have something incredibly complex, such as a CRM that's designed and coded specifically for your nonprofit. Most organizations, of course, fall somewhere in the middle. So you'll utilize some form of ideally cloud-based software that you can customize, but is not coded specifically for your organization. So that would be something like Salesforce or Zoho or Neon that would fall into this category. So a company provides the basic platform and your organization can customize it to meet your needs. Before we dive into the factors to consider, I want to answer a question that always comes up when we talk about donor databases. And this is, what is the difference between a database and a CRM? CRM stands for Customer Relationship Management. The best way to remember the difference between a database and a CRM is that a database handles business after the fact. It essentially just stores all the information that has already passed, so who attended the event, how much did they donate. In many ways, it essentially is the same as a spreadsheet in terms of functionality, but instead of entering this data into the cells in a spreadsheet, you're entering them into fields that you can then run reports on. And so your information gets segmented into buckets based on what those fields are. A CRM, on the other hand, is future-focused. So a CRM has the capability to look at a donor's past activity to determine whether they would be a good fit for a future activity. For example, you can set up your CRM to know who opened your organization's latest email appeal but did not donate, so you can send a follow-up email to them to encourage them to make that donation. Or perhaps you're tracking memberships in your CRM, so once a member is set to renew, you can automatically send an email letting them know that their membership is about to expire and direct them to the website where they can renew. So it's all about using past information to guide future activity. And a CRM will likely do that automatically, so you're not having to manually parse through data and tell the system to, for instance, send an email to someone. So the best way that differentiating between a database and CRM, the best way to remember that would be a database is retroactive and CRM is proactive. Another distinction is that a database is data-driven, whereas a CRM is process-driven. This means that a CRM takes the whole donor experience into account. When we think of that in terms of that term, customer relationship management, you want their experience to be as seamless as possible. So a CRM is going to look at the whole picture, answering questions, for instance, such as, what emails did each individual donor open? What events did they attend? What programs did they participate in? Where do they live? Do they prefer talking on the phone or responding to emails? A donor database will segment donors into buckets, but a CRM will look at each donor as an individual and tailor the experience to that person. You might be wondering why this distinction matters, and it really comes down to how you think about your donor relationships and also what capacity your organization has. Do you want to be proactive in engaging your donors in the ways that they want to be engaged? And importantly, does your organization have the capacity to deliver what your donors prefer? Does your organization have the capacity to personalize each donor experience? 
The beauty of CRMs is that once they are customized, most of this personalization is done for you. So you can really enhance your donor's experience using this information. While there are many CRM options available, many organizations will still use them as a database. What I mean by that is many nonprofits still just enter retroactive data into the databases. That means they're listing your donor event attendance, gifts made, email sent, and have not necessarily activated the CRM component that is available to them. And I think this is a great start. This information doesn't necessarily help you move a donor along the fundraising funnel because you're only tracking information kind of at that bottom of the funnel, but once they've already engaged with your organization. So let's just talk a bit about a fundraising funnel. So a fundraising funnel follows a donor essentially from not knowing your organization exists to awareness of your organization to joining your email list, to attending an event, all the way through making a donation. It's that process of getting a donor from awareness to prospect through stewardship. So when you have a CRM, you can personalize this experience in a way that moves individuals through that funnel quickly and easily, and in many times, automatically. That being said, if you're just getting started out with tracking donor information, this all may be far too complex for your nonprofit. So this is actually going to get us to the first factor that you need to consider when choosing a donor database, which is what are your organization's current needs? The starting point for your database project will be to first identify clear objectives for what your donor database needs to do. What will this database accomplish for your organization right now? Really think about all the ways that you currently engage with your donors and what information you collect about them. Of course, there's the contact information and the giving history, but what other notes do you collect about your donors that get lost in emails or perhaps your fundraisers have Word documents or spreadsheets with specific donor notes, such as the number of kids your donors have or their career, where do they work, what's their field? I call all of that personal data. So you have your contact data, which would be things like mailing address, email, phone number, and you have your demographic data, things like gender, income level, race, ethnicity, and then you have your personal data, marital status, number of children, work information, and then of course you have your giving data, which would be number of gifts, amount of each gift, reason for giving. But what other data do you have that needs to be tracked? Will you be including program data into your database so it's not only a donor database but provides a more holistic picture? Will you be tracking volunteers and in-kind gifts? If so, what information do you currently collect for these types of donors? This is where you really need to brainstorm about what you absolutely need to have your database track. This is the very minimum that you absolutely need your database to fulfill. At the same time, I'd like you to brainstorm about what are the nice-to-haves, and I'd really encourage you to not bypass this step. I've seen way too many organizations think they don't need to hold a brainstorming session, and they get far down the database project pipeline and realize that the software they chose can't do a major function that they need. So then you'd have to start all over again back at step one. Before you even look at database options, 
I really want you to do this brainstorming session. I really cannot encourage this step enough. Why am I so insistent on this? Here's the thing. There's so many database options. The well runs both wide and deep. Wide in terms of the number of options you have for databases, deep in terms of the complexity of the databases. It's really easy to get lost in this database bubble thinking you need every cool new feature. So yeah, it's nice to connect our donors' social media posts to our CRM, but as a fundraiser, when there's thousands of donors, let's be honest, I'm not reading their tweets. So frankly, while it's a nice to have, it's absolutely not a need to have. If a database has a live social media feed for your donors, but it can't calculate an average gift, we have a problem. Knowing exactly what your non-negotiables are before you even start thinking of which database is imperative. Okay, I think I beat that into you guys. Let's move on. And actually, as we go through all of these factors to consider, I want to take a minute to point out that I know it's hard to keep track of all of this information when you're listening to a podcast, so I have a worksheet to help you with this, and notes are available. So they're on our website at www.thirdsuite.com forward slash eight. And there you'll find a PDF you can download and share with your database committee as you begin this process. Okay, back to it. The second factor to consider is where is your fundraising headed in the next five years? Where your fundraising is headed in the next few years will determine the level of growth that your database needs to be able to support. You should be able to grow into your database. The functionality of your database should not limit your growth potential. So perhaps in the next five years, you're going to implement your first fundraising event So you need to be able to accept ticket prices, perhaps integrate with your event website, maybe integrate with an online and in-person auction, or maybe you currently have a separate database for your program participants, but eventually you'd like to maybe integrate that information so you have all of your organization's data in one place. So again, before you look at any database options, I want you to brainstorm. What will the next few years look like? What are your future needs? What are your future nice-to-haves? And again, I'm going to reiterate the same caution. Please do not skip this step. You probably don't have an exact blueprint of where you're going to be in the next five years, and things change, but you probably have a decent idea of what's coming down the pike in the next couple of years. Maybe even pull out that strategic planning document, dust it off, and let's put it to use. So what are your need-to-haves and what are your nice-to-haves? Now, before you consider any other factors, take your list of current need-to-haves and nice-to-haves and your list of future need-to-haves and nice-to-haves and share this document with the rest of your staff and maybe even your board. Run it by them and see what they come up with. I think getting as many people as possible involved in the early brainstorming phase will help you or your committee really think through all of the data you'll be tracking. All right, after you've done a very thorough job brainstorming factors one and two, now I think it's safe to start looking up potential database options. 
Start eliminating those that don't fulfill your current or future needs and keep the rest open to evaluation by looking at the next few factors. So the third factor to consider is what tools do your database options integrate with? You definitely do not want a system that requires endless manual data entry. That really creates a situation where your database becomes a burden to staff and leaves holes for potential human error. A strong database option should be able to integrate with the tools that you currently use and like. So when we think about integration, I want you to also think about the other software that you use. So what tools do you want to keep using? Which are the non-negotiables, the tools that work really well for your organizations and staff love and provide a great donor experience? You definitely want to make sure that any database you choose can integrate with these tools. So for instance, maybe you currently use MailChimp for your emails and you really enjoy it it would be a non-negotiable for your organization to have to switch to another email service in order to integrate with your donor database. On the other hand, maybe there are some tools that you don't feel very strongly about. Maybe your website is outdated and you really wouldn't mind creating a new website that can integrate with your database. Again though, keep the future in mind. Perhaps right now you like the email service you use and a few database options integrate with it, but how easy is it to switch providers if you have to? or if you choose to? Does the database integrate with more than one email service so you have options? The best thing you can do when you're considering which tools integrate with your database options is first to, of course, figure out which ones the database comes prepared to integrate with. But if there's a database option that checks all of your boxes, but let's say it doesn't integrate with the email service that your staff absolutely loves, I would really suggest getting in touch with the database company and working through the problem with them. A representative should be able to help you determine if there's a third-party application that can connect the tool to their database or can help you figure out if there's an acceptable workaround. Once you've determined which options meet these needs, only then should you consider price. In most cases, your nonprofit will work with the company that provides a platform as opposed to finding a developer to build one for you. So I'm going to focus on this scenario. Because you are working with a company that offers the platform, there are various costs associated with utilizing their service, which typically comes in the form of a per user per month fee. So you would essentially pay for each staff member that has access to the database. Now, of course, the cost of utilizing the platform is absolutely a factor that you will use to determine which database to sign up for. There's the fees associated with each user. These will be the year-over-year charges, but there are also maybe an expense associated with customizing the database. So you may need to hire a consultant or a freelance expert to help you with this process. You may be wondering why I've listed this as the fourth factor and not number one. I really think that you need to find the tool that will work the best for you and your organization. Doing that analysis to determine your database objectives first and foremost will prevent you from just choosing the most affordable option. That most affordable option may not meet your organization's most basic needs, so it's really not a good fit. 
And if the database that is the best fit for your organization is out of reach in terms of your budget, you can absolutely reach out to the company to try to get a discount or see if a sponsor can support this project. There are ways to raise funds or possibly lower the price of a database, but there's often little you can do to force a database to fit your needs if the platform truly wasn't designed for what you need it to do. I really don't want you to try to force a square peg into a round hole. Okay, next, the fifth factor to consider is what are the support features offered by each database? This is an often overlooked factor when organizations vet different databases, but can have a huge impact on your nonprofit satisfaction with the database. And since we were just talking about price, Some databases will add an upcharge for certain levels of service. For instance, they may offer a free version of their database, but then charge $25 per user per month in order for your account to have access to 24-7 customer service. So definitely read the fine print on what the customer service plan is so that what you're signing up for and the level of service you need will be in alignment. And unfortunately, some service representatives are really eager to get your business and will be incredibly helpful during the sales process, but then they may leave you high and dry when you encounter an issue during the implementation process. I really don't want to overgeneralize here, and it's definitely generalization, but I have seen it happen quite a bit. But if your contract states you get access to 24-7 customer service on the phone, then perhaps you're all set but it's definitely something to consider. A sixth factor is what is the current skill set of your staff? Now, here's the thing. Be very realistic here. I know everyone can learn how to use a new tool. That's not the question. Everyone is smart. Everyone you work with is motivated. That being said, will the learning curve take some people longer than others? Absolutely. And that's totally fine. 100% okay. There's nothing wrong with it but you need to be realistic about it. Along the same lines, you don't want to sign up for a database that may not be easy or intuitive for your staff to use because, frankly, if it's difficult for staff to use, they simply won't use the database. I've seen this happen time and again, where the database does not work for staff and they end up having their own spreadsheets where they track information. This completely defeats the purpose of having a central database. So including all staff in this process to make sure they receive the training they need to be able to easily and intuitively use the database is an absolute must. Ask your sales reps to do as many demos as possible so all of your staff have seen how your preferred database works before you actually sign on to the service and start customization. Following that same thread, Another factor to consider is how hard is it to make edits in the database? You want to make sure that you don't need to know how to code in order to change a field in the database. And you want to know what features do you need to know how to code in order to get the result you want. The last bullet under this sixth factor is how hard is it to run reports? Can staff get the information they need out of the database when they need it? Again, this goes back to a staff skill. This is absolutely trainable, but some databases are literally drag and drop, so they're very easy to use, and others require complicated queries. You definitely want to have your sales reps walk you through running a donor report 
perhaps even get very specific reports that you currently need and ask them to pull those during the demo or show you how you would go about pulling that information. Okay, guys, we are on to our last and seventh factor to consider. Do you have anyone on your team that can serve as a database administrator? It doesn't matter which database you choose, you'll need someone in-house to be your go-to database person. And this does not have to be their full-time job, but part of their role should involve ongoing training for whichever database that you choose. If you have a consultant, this in-office person should be the one to relay questions to your consultant. They should also relay information to your sales reps. This person should also coordinate staff training within your nonprofit. So as new features get added on, they can train the staff or set the training up with a consultant or the sales rep. But they would also provide training for new staff or again, coordinate that with the consultant or the sales rep. Again, this is one of those factors that organizations taking on a database project tend to gloss over. Even if you hire a consultant to help you with the implementation process, you need one key person on staff who will be the point person. Ideally, this will be the staff member who is the most knowledgeable about the database and has been on the project since the beginning. Also, even once the database project has been completed and you've wrapped it up in a pretty bow, there's still daily upkeep that you need to make sure that your data is clean and adheres to your organization's standards. This internal database administrator is the one who should really lead that charge. And actually, there is a great article about what you should be doing each year to clean your data. So I will add that to the show notes so you can get some information on what I mean by general upkeep of your new database. And again, this does not need to be their full-time job. Not many profits can swing that, and I completely understand that. But there should just be one person identified who is going to take the lead on the database within your nonprofit. Okay, so to wrap it all up, I'm going to review the seven factors to consider when choosing your donor database. One, what objectives does your donor database need to meet right now? What would be nice to have right now? Two, what objectives does your donor database need to meet in the near future? What would be nice to have in the near future? Three, what tools are you currently using that you would like your donor database to integrate with? Four, How much does each of your donor database options cost? Perform a cost-benefit analysis. Five, what are the customer support features offered by each of your database options? Six, what is the current skill set of your staff? Seven, do you have anyone on your team who can serve as the internal database administrator? Once you've thought through all of these factors and you've thoroughly evaluated all of your options, I think you can confidently move forward with the option you choose, especially if this database will mean incurring a significant expense. Doing your due diligence up front will definitely go a long way when you need to report this information to your boss or even to the board. And I think even just your own comfort level with the decision will be greater because when hiccups occur during the implementation process, and believe me, they will, You want to rest assured that you chose the best option for your organization, so facing a hiccup doesn't lead to thoughts of, oh my gosh, did we choose the wrong database? It's just every database implementation process encounters issues, and as long as you've put in the effort to evaluate your options, you can face the problems head on. 
All right, friends, that's all I have for you today. Don't forget to head on over to thirdsuite.com forward slash eight to check out the show notes and download that free worksheet that accompanies this episode. Thanks so much for tuning in. I will talk to you guys soon. Before you go, would you like to receive free tips, resources, exclusive opportunities, and an invitation to our private Facebook group? If so, sign up for our email list. You'll receive a weekly email with a reminder about upcoming podcast episodes, tons of freebies, and exclusive opportunities. To sign up, head on over to thirdsuite.com. Thirdsuite.com.